everyone, welcome to the Sam Taylor Podcast. My name is Anna. I'm a former student of Sam's and her current TA. And this week I'm taking over the intro for Keshav because he is actually this week's guest and he felt a little weird doing his own intro. Um, Keshav is a 2021 Dalhousie University accounting graduate and he also successfully completed the Queen's GDA program this past summer. He works with Sam on a variety of projects, um, including producing this podcast. He joined Sam this week to discuss investing in real estate in your 20s, the importance of a strong support network in your undergraduate and graduate programs, how to network as a student, and much more. So I hope you enjoy. Keisha Polyball. This is officially take two, so yep. let's try to make this look like take one. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we are in this beautiful studio, and um, well, first of all, why did I introduce you? Uh, because normally I just jump right in awkwardly and throw a question because I am able to rely on my awesome producer, <laughs> you, uh, to give a killer intro. But um, we are going to have a guest intro uh, for our podcast today, but I definitely wanted to make sure that I mentioned your name. Keisha Polywell, you have listened to all of our podcasts so far. Yep. All 21 that have been published and 23 or will be 23 when they're <laughs> when they're ready to go. Uh, I normally don't. Yeah, I actually do like to ask questions I don't know the answer for, but I, I truly don't usually like to ask questions where I only hope for one answer. Uh, do you regret telling me <laughs> that the video should be turned into a podcast a long time ago? No, I don't, because um, I think it's definitely more accessible for everyone. Mm. So that was my, I think I really got a lot of value out of it, but I found that sometimes it was tough to find, you know, 45 minutes or an hour to sit there and watch a YouTube video with a recording. And so by throwing it up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, then um, you could listen to it on the bus while you're driving at the gym, whatever. And it was a way that people could get some value out of a podcast from you and be also maybe multitasking a little bit oh my gosh multitask a lot of it um you know clean up or you know exercise uh so thank you first off uh for suggesting that it's funny because uh, a lot of times like i love constructive feedback i love it there's a caveat there i love it when people can tell you what is not working and then when they can provide you a solution to help make it better, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> we had the earlier podcast with the solution-oriented um, you know, folks. And I'm like, yes, I, I love it. I'm like, just don't tell me why I suck or don't tell me what is negative about this. I want solutions. And then I can evaluate, okay, cost benefit, not just cost financial, but like time, energy, yeah. what's the perceived benefit. And so like, thank you. And that, that led to this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're in this fancy studio and trying it out and it looks really cool. Cool, yeah. Um, and it's so nice. We were speaking about it a little bit briefly before that it's nice to kind of get out from behind our desks, see people, see people, yep. see each other, because it's been all summer um, and it's been even since then. So I think we started this. It would have been about January that I revived the kind of guest speaker series yep. online. And then do you know about when we turned this into a podcast? Was it like May-ish? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, coincided kind of with the end of school maybe a little bit like talking during school yep. and then and then officially the switch over and doing doing both both youtube and podcast both youtube and podcast and a couple other things uh, that we may or may not get to but it has been 
Amazing. Um, I'm going to throw it to you and the surprise kind of question that I usually start it with, um, <laughs> the icebreaker question. What's the last song that you listened to? Do you remember? Did you listen to something on the way here? Uh, can I just check? Absolutely. Yeah, I like this. I didn't listen to anything on the way here. I didn't have my car, so I didn't have the Bluetooth. Uh, but I think it was on my drive back from Ottawa a few days ago. And I think I listened to the Ben Howard um, album. Nice. Yeah, I went through the whole thing. Not something that everyone does all the time is listen to a full album. But I, I was going to say. Yeah, uh, when you have 14 hours in a car <laughs> with construction all the way through, that's what you do. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. So, where? Why were you in Ottawa? Um, I needed a little bit of time away from Halifax. <laughs> it's been two years or so, if not a little bit more, in Halifax. I think my last trip out of the province was for work on my co-op in 2019, and I hadn't left the province since. Where was that trip? Uh, it was St. John, actually, New Brunswick. Okay, so your last trip was St. John. Yep. You've been in Halifax, in lockdown, in school, yep. uh, and then in school, and you're like, I need to get out, and you went to Ottawa, and how yeah. was that? It was awesome. It was good to see some family, ride the uh, ride the bike trails into the downtown, try some new restaurants, and uh, just enjoy some sunny weather. Oh, restaurants. Was it nice? It was nice. Good. It was really nice. Good food, but I think we're spoiled here in Halifax with our restaurant scene. We I think are. we're very underrated. We are. Uh, we're also very, I think, I appreciate being from out west and coming here about three or four years ago, really appreciating just how much beautiful scenery there is. Yeah, definitely. And you notice that when you go away. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Yeah, but it's nice to go away and then come back to something yeah. as well. You appreciate it more. Absolutely. So that was the surprise question. I think we should probably get into uh, some of the nuts and bolts. Uh, I like to bounce around, but how do we know each other? So we met four-ish years ago, I think, and it was your first course teaching at Dow. Mm -hmm. And it was a horrible time. It was like 7 p.m. on a <laughs> Monday and Wednesday or something like that. Something awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was brutal. And it was in the dead of winter. Uh, yeah. And so it was dark and we were in the row. And that's, I think, was when we first met. Mm -hmm. um, so first course you were teaching, it was managerial accounting. Mm -hmm. So intro number two for people at Dow. Um, and yeah, that was, I, before that I was deciding, you know, what did I want to do as a major? Did mm. I want to go, I knew I didn't probably want to do marketing. I'm not that creative. Um, so I was thinking more of the finance or accounting route and was very unsure. And then after taking your co course, that was a pretty certain, um, like I'm going to go the accounting route and I'm going to give this a go. Cool. Thank yeah. you. I like how you started that with... I we met in class four years ago and it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, the time was horrible. No, but that was good. <clears throat> and it was horrible. I'm like, yeah, that was <laughs> like it was my first time. Yeah. God, Keisha. Seven to eight thirty p.m. or something like oh, that, twice it, a week. It was um, a bit of a yeah the the times because I came in and I think that a lot of people typically either roll over from previous year or they have some input or just however it happens. And when I was you know, came, they said, do you have any preference? Do you have any this? And we talked a bit about what the following year would look like. But because I came and started in January, right, it like was mid -year. like, yeah, mid-year. Yeah. They're like, well, we have these courses. And I'm like, okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll take the one nobody else wants. <laughs> yeah, the time that nobody else time, wants. Yeah, it's time and everything. And it was, I don't know, it was nice to kind of come in and 
Because if you do what you love or you do what you want, it really doesn't matter if it's late at night or early in the morning or you find the energy. Even if like I was like, oh, goodness, will I have energy today? You know, something about like that. Anybody with sports backgrounds, it's like you have the three, two, one, go where you have the kickoff and you have the switch that flips and you're like, F it. Yes, I'm going to go for it. And I feel like that was, you know, you guys brought a lot of energy to me. And you did, too. It was reciprocal. Thank you. So, okay. So before you started in business, was that straight out of high school you started? No. So I I graduated from Prince Andrew in Dartmouth and then started at Dow and I started in an arts degree. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I thought I'd just feel it out Mm -hmm. and took some arts courses, took some business courses. What kind of arts courses? I'm curious. um, Took a little bit of poli sci. There was like a couple local courses on like Halifax history I took. I took economics, which I loved. And then in the second semester, I decided to take uh, intro financial accounting because I was interested in it. And I thought, well, I'll just see. And if I like it, then I'll switch to business and ended up doing really well in it and enjoyed it. And then that was sort of the the reason why I, I made the switch over and then haven't looked back since. Cool. Cool. That's yeah. really neat to know. Um, I feel like I interrupted you before we went down that tangent. But so, okay, so you did your first year and then, so you graduated in a total of five years. Would that be correct? Right, yeah. And then you said kind of throughout the managerial courses when you decided pretty much on accounting. Um, And so what was really fun is we had a number of students. See, you just graduated. Yep. So put in context, uh, as I started Dal and when I was teaching you all, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is fabulous. Because when I first started, I was on a but three and a half year contract that would be up for renewal and then eventually like could lead to tenure. And I remember teaching you guys and halfway through the semester being like, you know what? If everything, you know, goes wrong and I don't earn a right for renewal, I'll at least end my time when you guys graduate. Right. And I kind of just remembered seeing that and remember seeing a few people in our class and being like, you know, it's cool. I'll be able to see you in third year and fourth year, the courses that I eventually took over and started teaching. And it just felt like a like a time of peace that you know we could end this journey together or end and start anew. Yep. So fortunately, I was renewed and I received tenure, and you know I'm in it. To it win all it. worked out. <laughs> Been long yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was just always nice because um, you know we stayed in touch a little bit throughout. Yep. You came and went to some of my guest speaker series when I had them in class, and then it felt like no time had passed before I saw you in third year, second semester, cost accounting. Yep. But I don't actually think I asked you what the heck you did during that time. So do you mind yeah, <laughs> filling sure, me and sure. everybody else in? So in between those, like, what was it, like two years or so, a year <laughs> and a half. So I did two co-ops with PwC Halifax. Um, in assurance? In assurance, both of them. And it was cool. It was a neat experience because I think with a lot of co-op jobs, your task is to come into the office, do what you're told, and then you're out the door at the end of the day. And of course, as many people may know listening to this, that's not the case when you're in a big four firm. (laughs) Um, So you work a lot and you work everywhere and anywhere. And I got to travel a lot for work too. So the first two weeks of the co-op I spent in Ottawa and with a couple friends that was also that I was also doing the co-op with and we were in the same hotel and we had a great time what they sent three co-op students to Ottawa yeah they weren't smart <laughs> they sent three of us best friends to Ottawa uh, but no it was a great time we learned a lot we got to see the city uh, meet the people in the PwC Ottawa office and get to know them um, and get our first little bit of foundational training to what audit was what assurance was and what we were getting ourselves into which we really had no idea how do you no you don't so uh then we did that and i remember i came into the office the first day in the halifax office for the co-op 
and they said so you know you've booked your flights you're going to Ottawa tonight we said yeah we know and then uh, they looked at me and said okay when you come back you're here for a night and then you're going to St. John and you're going for a month and I was like okay all right <laughs> sure I know nothing but you're gonna send me there okay so lots of faith yeah so then you just jump right into it and mm-hmm. you get exposure to everything biz, big business small business public private um, and just get your feet wet and feel it out learn a lot as much as you can get to know people and that's what I really think the co-op is all about is not so much mm-hmm. the technical that you learn from it even mm-hmm. though you're you will definitely learn it but it's more about the people you meet so from your own words you were like <laughs> we didn't know anything how do you go from not knowing something to getting stuff done and actually submitting stuff and you know earning subsequent co-ops and you know yeah, I mean, part of it with the first couple clients that you work on is just hoping you have a good team. Yeah. Um, and that they'll be willing to work with you and teach you and lead you. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by an awesome team in the Halifax office. And so there were a lot of great seniors and managers that really sort of took me under their wing and showed me the way. Um, and then from there, that was on me to kind of get the stuff done as they show it to me a couple times. Yeah. And I asked probably too many questions, but you figure it out and then you check in with them when you need and you continue to build those skills and build a little bit of speed and momentum with it. And then you keep going. And that led into the second co-op. Um, I felt like I was just kind of figuring things out. And uh, at the end of the first co-op, I was like, OK, I want to do this again. I want to build on this momentum mm-hmm. and then ended up coming back and again, continued to travel a little bit. Saw some of the same clients again and some of the same oh. people at those clients, which was nice. And obviously a similar team. And did they remember you? They clients? did. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they, I think even some of the people in the office forgot I was a co-op because some of the clients yes. I got put on, it's like, do you remember that I'm just a student? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So then you build on that momentum with a second co-op. And then ultimately, then I came back into cost accounting in third year and then did a little bit more school and then went on the third co-op after that. And your third co-op was? It was different. It was with uh, Beaumont Advisors, which is an an operational due diligence um, company based out of Halifax. And they do work with private equity firms, hedge funds, and venture capitalist firms. So it was good to go from sort of the audit world and Mm -hmm. the accounting world into more of a finance and due diligence world um, and to see what the life of, you know, hedge funds and private equity funds and VC firms are all about. And uh, a lot of similarities a lot of differences um, but obviously most of the work 90% of it was from home which was unfortunate I wish I was in there but that was just that wasn't their fault that was just the reality of it absolutely so was it your choice to branch out or or yeah from PwC yeah yeah so I had that discussion with one of the partners at the firm um, and he's been kind of a great resource and mentor for me as well just to sort of bounce questions and ideas off of him and basically what I had said to him was okay I've done two co-ops here I know what this is about and I think I want to do this full-time um, post-grad but I feel like part of the co-op program um, at Dow and in general is all about trying new things learning more about yourself and getting new experiences and I felt by going back to PwC and this was pre-COVID going back to PwC it would be a pretty similar experience going in for my final co-op in the summer like what more is there really to mm-hmm. do and learn as a co-op student there's probably things but I thought that there was more opportunity for me to try something else and so I tried to seek out a few different options with the firm um, internationally and that didn't really work out and it was probably for the best anyway mm-hmm. because I would have secured something and then wouldn't have been able to go um, so I ended up you know he suggested to go try something new and um, 
and when I left, he had said that, you know, if you wanted to come back full time, there's, you know, a position available. And then um, even though I enjoyed the co-op with Beaumont, I still knew that at least for the beginning of my career, I wanted to be at a big four firm. And so I reached back out to him and said, you know, I think this is what I want to do. Um, and uh, and he said, all right, come on board. Cool. I bring that up because two things that you did, and I, I've kind of made it sound like maybe we didn't stay in touch a lot during those two years, but it was more, I think we stay in touch sporadically. Mm-hmm. And then I just didn't necessarily know the arc or knew, knew the story. But one thing that stood out for me, and that links back to your point when you said you probably asked too many questions. First of all, as somebody who has staff and who has a team, if I don't have a lot of questions, I'm like, what are they doing? What's Why? Going yeah, on? What's, <laughs> like, it's never usually a good surprise. So it's nice. And I think you probably learned how to manage your questions, you know, asking the person, hey, do you want me to ask you questions as they come up? Or do you want me to batch them? Yep. Do you want to have weekly, you know, daily meetings? Or how would you like these right. questions? And what you realize as well, or at least what I realize is that every senior and every manager is slightly different. And mm-hmm. so some people <laughs> want it, you know, as soon as there's a question, come up and ask. Yeah. And some people want to say like, okay, like, let's book 15 minutes, you know, yes. twice a day. And we'll circle back to all the questions that you have. Um, and it's sort of just trying to feel out what they would mm-hmm. like and then being adaptable to what they what they want. Yeah. For myself, I love, especially in person, like let's go for coffee, let's go for lunch, let's like batch this and yeah. pair it with something that's kinda of, like fun and enjoyable and get out of the office. Like go for a walk, do something. Um, one of my students in the first time I taught fourth year would book office hours, my booking office hours, and uh, say, Hey, can we do a walking office hours? Loved it. Because, yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, was, I was like, I absolutely. And I really looked forward um, to whenever she would kind of book office hours and then put walking if weather. And I'm like, yes, fabulous. Like doing something different and being open to different styles and seeing what works. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've all been forced to do that since COVID as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. We've all become a lot more resilient. So another thing that I noticed that you did uh, during your time at Dow was you went for a lot of coffees with people. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I did. So before I, I should back up a little bit. So before I started my first co-op, I spent the summer after the first year of the program working at Scotiabank. And uh, through a family friend connection, I ended up in commercial banking um, where he worked and got an exposure to what the world of commercial banking is and dealing with loans to you know small, medium sized businesses um, and spent a lot of time with financial statements. And that was really my first mm-hmm. experience outside of school. Uh, working with financial statements, doing financial statement analysis, um, covenant testing, things like that. And uh, so I got to know him and build a relationship with him. And then from there, there were some people that I wanted to meet in the city. And and one of the things that I wanted to do was learn a little bit about Big Four um, because that was something that he told me. He was like, you want to do a co-op there. Go get that experience. And so I said, well, I don't really know anyone. Do you know anyone that works at those firms? And he was like, yeah, who do you want to talk to? And so it started with him, and then he introduced me to someone, and I got a coffee with them. And it was just sort of like a snowball mm-hmm. where, you know, then I met with that person and was like, okay, like, who do you know in that specific, you know, department or group? And then they would introduce me to someone there, and you go talk to them and get a coffee with them. And then they'd say, okay, you know, there's something that I would love to do at some point in my career, and it's this. And it's like, well, do you know someone that works there right <laughs> now? And then you go talk to them. And it sort of just accumulated from there. And... I always felt, and I think what I sort of learned early on, whether I was right or not, is that people are more willing, professionals in industry are more willing to talk to you when you're a student rather than when you're a working professional sometimes. And so why not take advantage of the opportunity as a student to meet all these people? And then if I wanted to reconnect with them in the future, probably that door is a little bit more open than it would have been. And and where, at least right now, I feel like I want to be in Halifax long term, why not start doing that? 
And so I met a lot of really great people um, that I still continue to, to talk to on occasion today. And hopefully um, those relationships will continue to evolve into something in the future. But yeah, that was, I grabbed a lot of coffees with people. There was probably more coffees than studying. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure not. I'm sure they were equally balanced. <laughs> Keshav is a very good student, <laughs> very studious. Um, but no, but it's important to not just be focused on the books, right? Um, at some point, and I say this to CPA students a lot more, because I find <clears throat> once people, you know, kind of do their undergrad in accounting or get those prerequisites and then focus on the CPA, a lot of times they're a lot more narrowly focused on what success should look like or is. I think it's likely because it takes so much time. You're working, you're studying in it, you're only surrounded by other like-minded people. Yeah. So you almost get into this like, I don't want to call it negative spiral, but it's definitely a focus spiral, not always for the best. Yeah. And they're like, more is not more and go out, expand. Like it'll enrich in your life. It will, it's like the gym. If you want to build muscles, you don't just like go to the gym for 12 hours a day. And right? do like one type of exercise. <laughs> yeah, do one type <laughs> of exercise. Like nah, you got to like have the rest, the recovery. You got to yeah. do the push, the pull, the arm, yeah. the legs, the, the abs. You know, you got to get your cardio in. Like you can't just do one thing. Um, and I think that's something that our DAO students uh, do really well, but also should also be cognizant of yeah. because more is not more. To people that might be listening, be like, oh, that sounds so good. I would love to go for coffees or, you know, maybe before COVID or, you know, just all of these things. And there's that friction where they're like, that's great for Keisha, but I'm not dynamic. I'm not dynamic like Keisha. I am not a natural um, extrovert. I I'd love to go for coffees, but I'm really scared. What advice right. would you have for them? Well, I don't really feel like I'm an extrovert. I feel like I'm an introvert. So that's one thing that hopefully could provide some introverts mm -hmm. with some comfort. Um, but one thing that I've realized in the past sort of couple of years is that, or in the past year or so, is that um, you don't always need to just like send some person an email that works at some firm or some company and say, you know, I'd like to talk to you. Um, like I've met people um, on bike rides, on runs, um, just kind of like out and about. And so, you know, there's more places to meet people than just, you know, emailing someone that you know or that your prof knows or something like that to, to go talk to them. Um, you can meet them in a bunch of different ways. People that are successful or that you look at as being successful are doing all types of interesting things and have interesting hobbies and things like that. So, you know, maybe you meet someone down at the market that, you know, that you've recognized before and that you'll stop and introduce yourself. Um, maybe you're on, you know, there's lots of like group running groups that are in the city, like go join one of those and go run with them. And you're probably going to meet someone that you probably want to meet. And then that's a much more organic way of meeting someone. And that can evolve into something probably a lot more meaningful than just sometimes asking someone to go to Starbucks with you. Yeah. So either or, or both. Or both. Or yeah, both. Yeah. Exactly. Don't limit yourself. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so you graduated in April. You... And then you took a bunch of time off and you decided to rest your brain. Uh, you were done with school. No. No. What did you do, Keisha? I'd like to rest. I just always seem to fail. <laughs> so, so working on that. Yeah, working, still working on that. That'll probably be a work in progress yeah. forever, I think, unfortunately. But um, what did I do? So I graduated in, yeah, end of April or so. And then I had a couple weeks. And then um, what did I do? I started to work full time for three weeks um, with a consultant that I work for in the city and he had a client that needed some help. And so I went in full time for three weeks and helped them. And then right from there, I went into the Queens GDA program 
And so I had no break from finishing Dow to working full time for a couple of weeks and then going into Queens. But that's the way I seem to do things. And so I went right into Queens and the Queens GDA program is basically an accelerate CPA program. So a typical CPA program for people that join a firm, public accounting firm will be about two years um, with studying and work at the same time. Uh, with this, you get all of your electives and courses out of the way with the exception of the CFE, the final exams. And so you have- And Capstone 1 and Capstone 2. And Capstone 1, that's right. And so then you're eligible to write the CFE a year earlier than if you didn't do it. Um, So I was debating over the course of the school year and fourth year whether to do something like this or not. And at the end of the day, I thought, well, chances are, you know, a lot of people like to travel after they graduate before they start work full time. I'm probably not going to be able to do that. Uh, Most people probably won't be able to do that. And so I thought, well, you know what, if I have an opportunity to sort of get some school over with and lighten my load while I'm working a lot, um, why not? And so that was sort of the inspiration to do it. Uh, went ahead and did it with a few friends and then, yeah. Perfect. I'm going to interrupt you there because uh, we're talking about the snowball. One person is a friend of the show, Kathleen Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were saying yes. that she was instrumental in having in helping you kind of figure out the different pros and cons for each. And you suggested she be on the show. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, she was really great. So I had you as well that had sort of given a good guideline on what the PEP program was like for yeah. CPA. Um, and then I didn't really know about the other programs. And like, what are the pros and cons of all of these? There's, mm-hmm. you know, some out there that seem decent. And then I had talked to a few people that you had introduced me to as well, uh, former students that had done those programs at, I believe, Queens and U of T. Mm-hmm. And then I had sent Kathleen an email as well, just looking for some feedback because she works with CPA Atlantic. And she was really great at sort of breaking down what was going on um, and what the pros and cons of each were. And then eventually set up a quick call with her and um, sort of just was more well-educated because of her uh, in the decision that I was making. And it worked out. It was a lot of work. It was really (laughs) hard. And, you know, you're in the dead of summer and you're trying to study and you have these long exams and long classes and you're just trying to power through it. But, yeah, it always gets done. How did you make it more manageable? Um, I don't really know. Um, I'm going to throw you a hint, yeah. a lifeline, because one of the things that I thought was so smart is when you were kind of in the midst of this, then hearing from Anna and from Emma right. that they were also considering this. And then the three of you decided to do this program together. Right. Yeah. And then there was a few more Dow students as well that did it. Um, I think you had Allie and Laura on mm-hmm. here who also did it as well. And I think it went well for them as well. Shauna. And Shauna as well. Yeah. So there was a bunch of people um, that all decided to do it, which was great. And uh, I think the the big thing was, you know, being able to do it because there was nothing else to do. So yeah. it was a good incentive just to like, you know what, get it done and get it over with. But it's good having a program, especially when it's online, to do it with friends mm-hmm. because um, sometimes you just need people to, to rely on and you miss things. And sometimes it's intimidating to follow up with profs that you don't really know at mm-hmm. a school you're not familiar with when it's totally online. Um, so my thing was, you know, I was going to do it as long as I knew someone that I was going to do it with. I didn't mm. want to do an online program alone. I'm happy to do an in-person program mm-hmm. alone. I'll figure it out. I'll meet people. But online to me seemed like a whole other ball game. And so um, once I sort of convinced a few people, I think, to do it, then I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's do get this. it done. And what's really cool is throughout our entire conversation and something that I have learned and really value about you is you trust Yet verify. You are like the natural born auditor. And I mean that with all <laughs> respect. Zero. Yeah. You're like an audit, auditor slash research, like extraordinaire, but for real life, not just 
containing lessons to a certain aspect of your life. So, you know, you hear something, you triangulate, you want to say, okay, what are the other experiences? What's the data? What are the anecdotes? And then you make, you kind of assess the situation and you're analyzing all of these things. And then you conclude and advise on your own. Right. I'm sorry, I had to. Yeah, no. Like, I, I, <laughs> I had hate, to CPA way yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. I hate making decisions that I don't feel like I know as much as I can when I'm making them. <laughs> And so I just like to find all the information I can. And then if the decision is wrong, well, at least I did everything I felt like I could to make an educated decision and whatever happens, happens. But um, yeah, I just like to go into it as prepared as possible, I guess. Absolutely. And uh, I think so far, so good. So far, so good. I mean, just being able to do something without regrets, like saying, okay, I made the best information or I made the best decision with the information available is powerful because then you don't second guess yourself. You're like, no. Keisha, yeah. two months ago, did this. We're here. Would I make the same decision again? Maybe, maybe not. Like, that's something but to assess no going forward. To it. No guilt. Yeah. Now, do you apply the same methodical decision-making to everything? For example, if you're grocery shopping, will I see you, like, Googling in front of the apples for 10 hours? Uh, maybe for the best price, yes. <laughs> the best price? Yeah. What about the type? Or <laughs> no, not the what type. You... I'm not that picky. <laughs> okay. You're like, okay, I know about what apples are going to cost. Like, I'll go in, but no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just has to be the best price. I'm yeah. not that picky. <laughs> oh, man. That's too good. Okay. So, graduated. We're here. Um, what's, what's on the horizon for the next few months? Yeah. So, I have uh, the next couple weeks off okay. uh, to enjoy September, which I think is the best month in Halifax for weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then starting at PwC at the end of September. As Where are they sending you? Because that seems to be Nowhere that. right now. Nowhere right now. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere right yeah. now. Not even to the office. Apparently. Not even to the office. Yeah. I'm happy to go somewhere if they want to send me. I'm happy. I'm ready Love to it. travel. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for now it'll be online for the first little bit, I think for the fall. Um, and then things may change up um, in the next couple months. But that's all we see a, a moving target as yeah. this has been for the past little bit. Yeah, got to roll with it. Yeah. So we've actually, oh gosh, we've done a number of what I think was cool things. I'm going to hopefully rope you into agreeing. Uh, the NMC last year. Yeah, that was awesome. So um, that was, I guess, roughly this time last year. Yeah, roughly this time yeah, this August-ish. year. Yeah, August-ish. And so... Tell me about that. What did that look like from you? From yeah, so that was, from my perspective, working with you and a few people on your team and then a bunch of my friends. And uh, we spent some time doing some quality control and some documentation for you and CPA while um, you had your markers marking exams and assignments and, you know, getting CFE writers prepared for the CFE. Um, And so we got to be a little bit of a part of that journey. A huge part of that. Yeah, and see the the inside of how all of that works before we kind of get exposed as students ourselves. And it was fun. It was fun to do some quality control to work with, um, you know, friends and you know, fellow students, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, and really, I think we were kind of given a lot of independence and control over what we were doing. Happy and so, to hear that. Yeah, and so it was fun to, um, like, as a team and as friends to figure out, okay, how do we make this as efficient as possible and work with our own schedules mm-hmm. and, you know, move things around. And so we kind of had a lot of autonomy over it, and it was fun to do that with a bunch of people you always get along with. So just to kind of paint the picture, because uh, from – even CPAs that I work with uh, that maybe aren't familiar with what we did. This is for Capstone 2. So uh, in Capstone 2, there's about 14 marked practice cases uh, leading up to the CV. And at that time, there were 7,700 writers. And we were in the process of shifting our platforms. So we did not yet have some automated systems for this shift because we were doing kind of a staggered um, implementation. And 
we wanted to both manage the audit and manage kind of the shifting um, and staggered implementation. We wanted to provide quality control over the system itself, but then we're like, wait a minute, we have this team of you know university students um, that's working with us. Let's also throw in some quality control on our markers. So we have 7,700 candidates submitting 14 practice cases over seven weeks. We have a team of over 500 markers. Uh, we have four managers, uh, which directly reported to me, we had our hotline team uh, who allocated and answered candidate-specific questions as well as generic questions. And then from our management team, we had our leadership team who were responsible for each one of the cases. Cases are marked in English and in French. And then from there, from every team, there's a team lead, some assistant team leads, and then the markers. So part of what your team did, and it was a team of, I believe, was a four or five? Five. Five. Yeah. And they reported up to a recent Dell grad. Nicole. Yep. And the, you know, I'm really happy to hear about the autonomy piece because that's the whole thing is you don't hire competent people and then tell them what to do. You tell them what the problem is and then you're there to support what what problems come up. So Nicole was the one that you directly kind of reported to. Yep. And um, Emma was also your Queen's colleague, yep. a classmate, was there for her co-op. Because she was that's, stuck that's in the right, yes. she was stuck in the U.S. Yeah. and we had been talking, texting back and forth. And when I found out that she may not be able to come to Canada, I was like, I have remote work. Right. Like I would love yes, to I have that you now. Yes. <laughs> part of the team. And that's kind of how we reconnected for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and Anna came on board, and Thomas and uh, Tanaj, and it was it was a lot of fun because, you know, we were getting a lot of really great work done and building processes. And I remember saying, you know, I didn't. So from there, Nicole reported into Caitlin, yep. uh, who she did a long time ago Q&A with me, but she'll be back on the show in a little bit. And the whole thing is, you know, building systems, improving, and then splitting the workload and just getting stuff done. So um, the solutions that came out of your team were better than anything that I could have thought of. They addressed the problem. And I feel like you guys took a real kind of audit and leadership positions to what you were doing with a focus of value. Um task oriented and communicate it and this was you know what you were doing was effectively operations right not accounting yeah. but yet the accounting principles transferred definitely and you see that in all walks of life i think i think accounting is a very transferable skill so once you have that not having experience with it but once you have a foundation with it yeah. i think you can sort of apply it in a bunch of different um, walks of life completely and no. that was proof of it Perfect. No, you guys are great. And uh, one thing I was really excited for you guys, because you were all like, we're a team of contractors. And I'm like, okay, when you hit Laura's tax class in the fall, figure out what you can write off. Yeah. Figure out like how you're going to report your income. Figure out, like keep all your receipts to kind of document what you're doing. And then you're your own case study yep. because you know, you're going to have to figure out how do you claim this for taxes and how do you, are you able to deduct? What do you do? How do you report this? And I'm like, that's what your fall will be. So how was that in the fall? Good. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was interesting to transfer because I was, Dow's a little weird. I don't know if all schools are like that, but you all, you, the only tax exposure you get is once you hit fourth year. Um, it, it's slightly different. Some universities have personal and corporate tax in one big like mega oh that'd be brutal <laughs> it would be so yeah you might just hit it in like in the middle of your third year but that's because they don't want to like fail you in your fourth year right yeah fair enough so i mean i i definitely found tax uh challenging because mm -hmm. um, it's a different way of thinking from financial reporting and, and other types of accounting that you're exposed to previously um but it was 
definitely very important to know because then you get to use, you know, when you are an independent contractor and then you're learning those skills and sometimes it's easier to learn that and you're like, oh, okay, right. I made that type of income so I can deduct this <laughs> yes. and it sort of comes together a little bit easier. Um, so then you sort of see a lot of and you get in, in the life. game. Yeah, You're like, exactly. I want to make this number, this tax number, as little, little as, as possible. possible. Exactly. <laughs> How do I so save winning. the most money? Yes, I want to minimize my tax. I mean, I can't minimize. I want to defer. Yeah. yeah when I teach taught uh, the tax module, that's the thing. I'm like, you know, minimize tax, defer it. Minimize, defer. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like taxes are part of life. Um, yeah. But they're not all, it's not just black and white, right? No, and navigating them, I think, is a, a huge skill set to and very valuable skill set to have. Completely. Um, yeah, so there was definitely a lot of um, comparisons in my actual life that I noticed once I hit the tax course, which was nice. <laughs> and I think a few of us noticed that too. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay, so you you have done a lot. Um, I we want to switch this to fun a little bit because sure. I I remember being cooped up in the middle of winter and talking about well I had bought in snowshoes and Katie and I wanted to uh, go somewhere for I don't know snowshoeing but we wanted somewhere that was like right. very beginner friendly. Yeah. So you were like, hey, go to this trail. Yeah, McDonald Park yeah. in Dartmouth. Well, off the Cobblequid Pass, but yeah. And we're like, okay. And then all of a sudden we're out there and I'm just trying to like learn these snowshoes, like fumbling around. And I hear, hey, Sam, <laughs> yeah. said, there's Keyship, just like, you know, being so I don't even think you recognize your... me right away. Oh, I, I think I had a hat, sunglasses, like, and a whole thing covering my face because it was cold. Yeah. And... So I was like, how could you know it was me? <laughs> so you're like out of context because I'm like, students, you belong in the screen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? Out and about. Um, so I do have firsthand uh, evidence. I've observed that you do go out and have fun and you look good like you were you were you know what yeah it was so this was the first year that or this past winter was the first year that i tried skate skiing so it's not the traditional cross-country skiing but it's the one where it's more of a skating motion you see it in the olympics and stuff like that and so i wanted to learn something like a new winter sport uh, this past winter and i thought well this one seems like a good idea to do um and so got the skate skis got the boots for it um, and I have a few friends that have skate skied in the past and grew up doing that stuff and then I had a good close friend of mine who wanted to learn as well so we thought okay this is a good idea to you know do it together figure it out and uh, and it's a fun task a nice distraction from school getting out of the house and doing something a little bit different which I learned is very important to be able to you know get out of the house and do something else so we went out and learned it and it is the toughest sport I have ever tried <laughs> You made it look um, easy. Well, that was like the fifth <laughs> or sixth time, so I had sort of gotten the hang of it. Uh, but yeah, the first couple times, it was more falling than you know any type of exercise at all. You missed Katie and I were in the parking lot for thirty five minutes trying to put them on, on before yeah. we even <laughs> saw you. So it was it was rough. It's rough goes. Yeah, but it was fun. Like, and it's I think yeah, a lot of beautiful. people started to pick up snowshoeing and mm -hmm. cross country skiing and things like that this winter. Um, because they needed something else to do. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it was something interesting, and we had a decent snow season for it. We did. Uh, what else does fun look like for you? Uh, I don't really know if everyone would call it fun, but I like to run, and I like to ride my bike a lot. Um, and so I try to spend as much time as I can doing that. I haven't done a great job of that this summer, just so busy with Queens, um, that you know it was only a couple mm -hmm. rides a week and a couple runs. But um yeah, I love to spend my time riding down the Waverly Road in Dartmouth. Um, that's the best road to ride on or out in Cow Bay in Lawrencetown. Um, and then just kind of run on any gravel trail in the woods that I can find and escape from reality, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like let it go and then yeah. it'll always come back. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of times I find like that's an opportunity for me to listen to 
a podcast as well. So mm. someone, you know, I know people that will listen to this while they're doing stuff like that. Amazing. So, yeah. Okay. So you recently accomplished quite a big milestone. Um, uh, something that I feel like we had talked about for about a year beforehand. Um, we connected because I liked to, I'm probably a little bit more focused now, but my 20s was meant for exploring. Right. Right. This is not... Um, this is not me interviewing myself, so I'll leave that alone for a little bit. But uh, something I did early on in my 20s was um, selling real estate, and it kind of came from being a real estate owner and then real estate investor myself. Um, tell me about your journey and what you recently accomplished. Yeah, so I bought an income property recently, um, yeah, which is very exciting. And I closed on it at the beginning of August, and it was it's a townhouse and it was in rough shape, but it's relatively new in the grand scheme of things. It just needed a lot of cosmetic work. So yeah, you say rough shape. The bones were good. The bones were great. And the inside was Not looking so for love. Much. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's a good way of putting it. So there was a lot of work that I had to do and I spent um, the better part of three weeks, 10 hours a day in there um, working away. And so that's something very different from, you know, being in the accounting world <laughs> yes. to then going to, you know, patching walls and rolling paint and, taking out flooring and taking out deck boards and doing all of that stuff but it's fun to work with your hands mm -hmm. and uh, yeah it's something that I had it was a goal that I've had for a couple years and a lot of intentional steps like living at home while doing school um, you know minimizing the amount I go out and things like that because those add, that adds up very fast um, just intentional things like that that afforded me the ability to be able to do that um, so intentional yeah. but not not limiting because you purchased new, you know, equipment for your, oh gosh, what were ski skating? Skate skiing. Skate skiing. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, you know, you purchase, you get out, you ride your bike. And so I really want to just emphasize that intentional. So it's, it was very intentional. I didn't hear anywhere in there where you said sacrifice, but versus intentionality because you had a goal and you focused your resources towards that goal. Yeah. Definitely. And I worked part time throughout mm -hmm. school and worked on my co-ops and obviously made money doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, so then, you know, if you minimize the time that you, you know, you go out and do things like that and COVID kind of helped. It's like there's no <laughs> like, oh, I'm hungry while I'm at school. I'll get yeah. something to eat. It's just like, OK, I'll go down to the kitchen. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of intention. I guess you could some people would look at that as sacrifice, mm. but I never saw it as sacrifice. It was just something that I wanted to work towards. And um, I just made choices intentionally to be able to do that. And luckily I had a, a few scholarships as well that you know definitely helped and sped up that timeline. Put ourselves in good positions to make the best with some good resources that right. come available. But then it's not all smooth sailing because COVID hit. And while maybe it limited the amount that you could or wanted to go out and spend that money, uh, it also drove up home prices like crazy. Yeah, and so, I didn't expect that because I thought, oh, as COVID, like as yeah. it started to happen and it settles in a couple months in, you're like, okay, this is my perfect opportunity. Like yeah. it's going to crash. Yeah, people no, can't look yeah, at the Yeah, you can't have jobs. You can't go look at homes. <laughs> yeah. Like here's my opportunity yeah. to get it done. And uh, <laughs> and of course the entire opposite happens. And I'm like, come on, like of course. And so I still start like kept looking around and thought, well, like, where can I find some undervalued markets and undervalued homes um, that people don't see opportunity in, but I can, and maybe make a decision from there to, to place an offer and get an opportunity. 
And unfortunately, too many people had that mentality. And I just kept losing on offers and losing on offers and losing on offers, which probably for someone that has been looking for a home for themselves is probably a relatable experience. Um, but went through that. And then luckily, um, and it was kind of really luck, I came across an off-market deal uh, where someone was selling um, their two townhouses and I bought one. And um, he wanted to offload them. And, and it was an opportunity where it really wasn't in any condition to sell it um, just because of the way it looked on the inside. And uh, and it was intimidating. And so probably no one was going to jump on it. And uh, he wanted to save on some fees. And so I said, okay, well, look, I think there's an opportunity here. And uh, we made a deal happen. And then it was smooth sailing from there. So once we had locked into that agreement, it was a few months from there when we actually closed. But the timing worked perfectly because I'd finished Queen's. Um, and hadn't started work and so there was an opportunity for me to just kind of get in there full time and and get the work done that needed to be done perfect, perfect. I, and it got done and so it got somehow, done I, the first couple of days like i had some i took some after pictures that i sent to you and yes. a few other people amazing and after i sent them around to to a few people they were like where are the before pictures <laughs> and um, like we want to see you said it was a disaster like, there's no proof in my mind <laughs> Right. And I was like, I was just too intimidated by what I saw to actually even think to take photos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got in there and like I knew it wasn't going to be like in good condition. I knew what I was expecting, but it's just intimidating once you see that loan in your bank account that you owe and you're like, I need to get my act together and finish this up and do it as cost effective as possible um, with good quality in mind Mm -hmm. and then get some tenants in there and uh, you know start doing what I wanted to do to begin with and it was intimidating there were definitely some stressful nights I am notoriously very cheap and so I think my family enjoyed seeing me having to spend money on (laughs) new flooring and and new new appliances they loved watching me just squirm as I had to pay for these things uh, because I'm so cheap I don't even want to pay for like parking or something like that so um yeah, there was, yeah, definitely a lot of learning experiences and uh, hopefully some good will come out of it as mm. time goes on. I think good has already come from it because you were intentional. You had a goal. You went out and a lot of things went well. A lot of things didn't go well. And you you stayed the course and you figured it out and you made it happen. Yeah. Like, and I think for like a lot of students that are like, you know, in their later years of graduating or close to graduating, like that seems like a far off goal to be able to you know buy an income property or even a home for themselves um but i don't know if you can live at home do it because you save a lot Mm -hmm. of money doing it um and then just be very intentional with what you do and uh if you can minimize the amount of tuition you spend by keeping your marks up to get scholarships Mm -hmm. and um you know buying used books instead of Mm -hmm. new books and doing things like that um, it all adds up habit too the habit of like uh, unique problem solving. So not just, oh, I need a textbook. I go buy a textbook. Right. Oh, I, I want a textbook. Let's see if there's a used, used market one. and maybe I can get $20 off or $40 off or exactly. like it all adds up. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out in the end and yeah. it's really not a far off goal for a lot of students that, you know, if you have the ability to live at home and you're in a co-op program and you're willing to work a little bit part time while you're in school, um, it adds up and it's very realistic if you want to do it and people want to hire students right yeah or and recent grads yeah and um our dal grads yeah our dal students and there's opportunities out there you just have to knock on some doors Mm -hmm. and ask and and then try and make it happen and then do good work when you get it so one of the reasons why i love this podcast is because uh i hit a certain age where i realized that i was no longer like relatable one for one but (laughs) i still knew a lot of relatable people and i got to see some of the students kind of grow and evolve and i'm like yes other students need to hear because on the same side, I would see other students coming and saying, like, 
having goals, having big, you know, hairy, audacious goals and wanting to do things, but then doubting themselves and having that friction. And I'm like, no, like I, ha- I know so many people like, you know, there's lots of evidence out there. There's also lots of anecdotes that I've seen right here. Uh, so hearing your story, it reminds me so much of uh, this candidate that one of my classmates, when I went through the CPA program, he lived not at home. Um, he was athletic, so he's a rower, and he w- was in a house. They found a house, but then they were like, oh, crap, there's like five of them. There's only four bedrooms. He ended up renting out like the closet in one, right. like literally like a, or, or a windowless den or something. So everybody was paying, say, like seven or $800 a month. He was paying three or two fifty. Right. Um, and he so he lived in that. Um, he's my age or a year younger. Uh, somewhere along that line, um, when he was – uh, at the firm, he had worked a little bit, done different things, um, you know, placed well on the CV or UFI at the time, utilized that, got manager early, did some, I believe, some international work, had some investments on the side. So he was snowballing like the money that he was making. And even though it wasn't a large amount of money relative to, you know, the clients that we see or anything, he was being intentional. He made a few investments, kept doing that, had some other work, went into the finance side, um, invested in restaurant, um, invested in a firm, you know, kept layering up both his hobbies, which were sports, um, his hobbies as investments and kind of professional, as well as his job. And so leveling up the career. And now what has he he's done? He's climbed mountains. Um, I believe he has a baby. He, you know, him and his investor friends had a restaurant or two or three. And I think he owns his own like investment company. And cool. it's like these are normal, fun, like awesome people that are just like you or me or sometimes they are you or, you know, and these are things that if it's in you and you want to do that and that's your focus go for it yeah i think part of it though is surrounding yourself with like good people that have done similar things that you want to do so like obviously you have invested in real estate in the past and so you were a role model for that it's like oh like you invested in real estate when you were about my age so i can do that too and there was a few other people around me that have owned a lot of rental properties and have done some real estate development and they were telling me to go for it and that it's practical somehow for me to do this and so just surrounding yourself with people that um you know push you to do the things that you're maybe almost willing to do, but not quite, um, is probably what makes the difference. Um, so it's just finding those people, and that that takes time too. Finding those people, putting yourself in those situations, getting the coffees, yeah. asking the questions. And what's really super cool is you've come full circle because we were talking yesterday uh, at one of our like biweekly meetings because we work, we have a lot of overlapping projects. Yep. It's fabulous working with you. And you are going to be, you are a mentor for incoming Dow students in first and second year. So you are, you have consistently contributed to the school, you know, being uh, the editor of uh, the Dow Business Review, the president, um, being involved in activities in school. And you're also, now that you're, you know, graduated, you're not hesitating, not waiting to give back and to provide that guidance and to see the values. So it's like, no matter where you are and how many goals that you want to achieve, there's always an opportunity to give back and to say, hey, like you can do that too. And it's a really cool dynamic and not something that I think people either intentionally do or they think about doing or they think, well, who am I to do this? And it's like, you are exactly who to do this. Yeah, anyone can really do it. Like if I did it, like go for it. Go for your goals and then go and give back Yeah, and and have it come full circle. Yeah, definitely, exactly. So there's a question that I ask all of my guests. The infamous question. The infamous question. Keisha, 
polyoff. What is your definition of success? So it changes every day. Uh, <laughs> and I think it'll change as I get older, too. And uh, so it's definitely not a stagnant definition and it's always evolving. But I think like a short term success is going in to PwC, getting trust from seniors and managers and partners and letting them be willing to you know trust me with their work and letting me have that success and, and willingness to grow. Um, so that's the short term definition of success. But long term is financial independence, freedom over my time um, and ability to do what I want, where I want, when I want. And I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I don't know if I can um, or how long it'll take. But um, right now, that's that's the definition. But I may wake up and totally change that tomorrow. I love it. I think also part of that definition is inherent in what you said. And it's the freedom to choose redefining your definition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you have the ability to change that, I guess that's success in and of itself. Yeah. So uh, it'll take time. It'll take effort. But uh, maybe one day it'll come. Part of the fun. Yeah. The first part that you said about the short term definition about, you know, going in and kind of support being a good team member for the seniors and managers and partners at PwC. It, the very first part where you started talking about it really reminded me of Jocko Willink. So Jocko oh, Willink yeah, has yeah. A, a podcast. <laughs> Love him. And he he had a question from a caller. And so for anybody that doesn't know him, he is um, extreme ownership, ex, um, former, pardon me, former Navy SEAL. He has a leadership company. He he like led the SEAL tra- uh, team training yep. like and led a number of like really high profile, um, impactful missions. Uh, overseas and so somebody said well Jocko like how do I get the things done that I need to get done every day like how do you do it he's like it's very simple in the morning I get out a piece of paper I write down what I want to do and then I go do them (laughs) (laughs) it's not that complicated you just have to get up I find making a list too actually makes a big difference it's fun to check off the boxes oh so it's if you so just fun. make that list and say, or even I sometimes I do it before I go to bed. Yeah. Like, okay, what do I need to get done tomorrow? And then you just kind of get up and then start rolling. Um, but I guess the uh, the only issue with that is sometimes you eliminate the the fun and the mm. creativity that sometimes a day could bring because mm-hmm. you're just ticking off the boxes and going down the list. But it gets stuff done, and that's what I do. Yeah. And it's helpful with school, it's helpful with work, and uh, it's worked so far. Sometimes I put on my list fun thing. Or, right, yeah, or you have to leave, add the, yeah. leave room right. for serendipity. To, yeah, good point. Okay, maybe I have to do that. Add it to, add, the, add list. It to the list. Yeah, Make sure it gets that'll done. help. Okay, few more questions, and then this will be a wrap. So really having some fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Uh, okay, so um, we know what you're heading into. The fall PwC with your rental property, having Capstone 1 and Capstone 2 on the horizon, mm-hmm. uh, writing the CFE likely next fall. Yep. What does the future look like beyond that for Kitchen? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the goal would be to, um, like I said, get into PwC and sort of make a mark and, and get the trust of everyone um, and get the clients and, and the work that I want and keep studying and working towards the CFE and obviously with the goal to be able to be successful with that. And then that would take me to December 2022 with the marks for the CFE. Um, and then hopefully... Um, you know, or I'll work towards it to be successful. Um, and then once you get there, then it's time to pick my head up, I guess, and see what I want to do. And I think the beauty of PwC and all big four firms and public accounting in general is that there's more or less endless opportunities. Um, 
whether you want to try a different department, tax, deals, um, M&A, valuations, and you can kind of, in many ways, choose the city that you want to do it into. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that I want to explore with the firm. Um, and after, you know, getting the CPA, passing the CFE, and, and getting the designation, the goal will be, you know, what do I want to explore at the firm? What is what is there for me that I want to, you know, try out and trying to seek out those opportunities? Maybe it's, you know, senior manager at the firm here in Halifax. Uh, maybe it's trying a new department, a trying new city with the firm or new country. Um, but I think there's a lot left to explore post-CPA with the firm. And, um, and we'll see where that takes me. Perfect. Any advice? This whole podcast has been packed um, and all of your intros have been packed with great advice for our our audience and specifically third and fourth year DAL accounting majors, um, anything specific that you want to mention to them to do? Any advice that they should consider? Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, just if someone seems interesting, just send them an email or reach out to them and say, like, I think what you do is cool. Like, can we talk and try and set something up and be accommodating and just like take them out for lunch or for coffee or something like that. And, um, you know, you meet people in a lot of different walks of life. So don't hesitate to, you know, sort of join a group whatever your interests are and chances are you'll probably meet someone pretty interesting there or know someone that knows someone interesting and uh yeah just be intentional with what you do there's no reason to um be frivolous with anything in university no one's expecting anything um extravagant of you um as a student just live humbly um get your work done save your money and then buy a rental property (laughs) (laughs) no you don't want competition (laughs) yeah true enough yeah don't buy don't buy well now i own it so it's like hey if you want to buy it put in an offer fair um all right uh anything uh that i didn't cover that i didn't ask anything that you want to kind of get out um I think you're pretty good at being thorough, so I think we're good to go. Yeah, we're, I'm a talker. I'm yeah. one of those introvert extroverts. I love doing things. I love speaking with people who I really like um, <laughs> and, and who I get along with and who we have lots of overlap. So this has been uh, delightful for me. Um, Likewise. Here. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, will you put your contact information? <laughs> yeah, in, I can in put the it there. I'll put it there. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to reach out um, if you want to send me an email or whatever. Um, I'm in Halifax and uh, happy to happy to chat. Perfect. Thanks, Keisha. Yeah. Thank you.